Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care Podcast. This time we're going to have a look at some chest wall injuries that you should know about. And the main reference here is going to be O's Intensive Care Manual, Chapter 79. The vast majority of what we're going to see here is going to be simple pneumothoraces and then perhaps the elderly patient with some rib fractures and maybe a contusion or developing pneumonia. That kind of thing is our bread and butter, to be honest. And this post will focus on some of the more esoteric and rare injuries, which of course occur with disproportionate frequency in a fellowship examination. There are a fairly small number of immediately threatening and uh, life-threatening injuries that we need to recognise, and the list would include um, attention pneumothorax, an open or sucking pneumothorax, massive hemothorax, or pericardial tamponade. So massive hemothorax is typically defined as greater than 1500 mils or a litre and a half immediately or more than 200 mils an hour. Uh, And certainly that's going to be a concern and should prompt the surgeon to have a look inside and to see where the blood is coming from. And while not mentioned in O's manual, the main concern um, with these that I often have is sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. So when presented with a massive hemothorax and hypotension, it's not always immediately clear what the primary physiology causing the hypotension is. So, for example, a large hemothorax with tension physiology will certainly kink the SVC and obstruct the IVC, and that may well lead to hypotension from low preload to the heart. They may also be hypotensive from frank hypovolemia because of all the blood is in the pleural cavity instead of the blood vessels. And the bit that you can't really account for at this stage before a drain goes in is, is how much of this tension phenomenon is actually providing some kind of tamponade effect and keeping the remaining intravascular volume in the vasculature. The concern here is that when you decompress the haemothorax, the patient is no less hypovolemic than they were before, but now the blood is now in the chest drain rather than in the pleural space. And this hasn't really fixed the hypovolemia, but has relieved the tension phenomenon that was obstructing the preload to the heart. So that may fix things, but unfortunately it may have also unleashed the remaining circulating volume to enter the pleural cavity and swiftly out through the plastic conduit that you've placed uh, into the pleural cavity and into the chest drain. So all that is a very long and convoluted way to say that it is complicated. I think in this scenario we're always going to end up draining that massive haemothorax, but it would be very wise to have someone capable of dealing with major bleeding inside the chest immediately on hand once you do that. So speaking of thoracotomies, what follows is a list of interventions that might be potentially useful to do once the chest is open. Number one, drain pericardial tamponade. And to be honest, this is number one, number two, and number three um, for me in terms of the importance and the actual utility and value that you get from doing the thoracotomy. Secondly, control intrathoracic bleeding, which is a nice kind of coverall term for all the various bits that blood could be squirting out of. And number three, control of a massive bronchovenous embolism. In this scenario, a pulmonary vein is lacerated and air may be being entrained in the left side of the heart. And this is bad form, as one might imagine. So it might be wise to clamp it and stop that. And number four, control of a massive bronchopleural fistula. Maybe a lung has been avulsed proximally and you can see the ET tube through the bronchus. All of the tidal volume is disappearing into the pleural space and you should probably do something to stop that. Number five, temporarily blocking the aorta, commonly done in an attempt to preserve the circulating volume to the heart and the brain. Now you may achieve this better with, without opening the chest and using something like a Reboa or a SAP catheter, but again that's a whole different kettle of fish. And then number six, I think, finally, is internal cardiac massage. In terms of aortic injuries, uh, these are often fatal pre-hospital, but if you do find one, they'll typically be at the junction of the fixed and tellered aorta, which is the bit running the descending aorta, and the slightly more mobile aortic arch. And this junction occurs at what's called the isthmus, just distal to the takeoff of the left subclavian. Now, your cardiac surgeons will likely decide on this, of course, but this may be an open repair, it may be a TVAR-type stenting if they survive long enough. 
As mentioned briefly above in the list, tracheobronchial injuries can be a real challenge, uh, and the classic region of injury in these and blunt trauma is at the takeoff point of the right main, possibly because of the steep angle that it comes off from the trachea. So on an x-ray you'd expect to see a pneumothorax and maybe some mediastinal emphysema and in itself that might not be a big issue but the real clincher to the diagnosis is the massive pneumothorax and emphysema that occurs when they get intubated and they transition to positive pressure ventilation. The flexible bronchoscope is your friend here and allows you to confirm the diagnosis as a quick look down the tube and will let you see if you can visualise mediastinum and pleural through the bronchus then you know you've got a problem. Systemic air embolism is more typical in penetrating than blunt injuries and again the problems really begin when you move to positive pressure ventilation. So in this instance, let's say we're talking about a pulmonary vein or maybe an SVC injury. In negative pressure ventilation, when the patient's breathing spontaneously, the pressure in the pleural space is lower than in the vasculature, even in the venous vasculature. And so blood will naturally flow into the pleural space. Now that's a problem in itself, however this pressure gradient um, will hopefully ensure that air is not entering into the circulation directly. Once intubated and in positive pressure ventilation then the gradient can reverse and the air can now enter the vasculature with disastrous hemodynamic and even neurological consequences if it enters the left-sided circulation. A few rescue moves described here might be to selectively intubate the good lung, um, maybe get them spontaneously breathing by reversing the rocuronium and get them on 100% oxygen in the hope of switching out all the non-absorbable nitrogen for absorbable oxygen. Thoracotomy is likely again to be the next step but again this is the decision for the surgeons rather than for us. There are of course other chest injuries out there but I suspect that's plenty of exam worldly minutiae for today. Um, the main reference here as mentioned was O's Manual chapter 79 and I'll speak to you again soon.